I'm Julia Lubin. I'm a model turned makeup artist and writer. I'm also the host of this podcast, the MUA Chronicle Podcast. Join me here every Tuesday as I pull back the curtain on the latest in beauty, fashion, and pop culture. I'm here to demystify the hype and give it to you real. Hello, hello, hello. So full disclosure, you guys, I'm pretty much recording this episode the day it's going to go up. Um, I had, I'm supposed to be on keto right now, but I had so much pizza last night and my eyes are like swollen and tired and my skin is dry and my voice is raspy. So we're going to try to go ahead and get through it. Uh, Let's launch into the start of episode 15 with what the hype, uh, the latest headlines in pop culture, beauty, and fashion. Ticketmaster quietly changed their ticket policy amidst the COVID pandemic. The original policy offered refunds for events that are canceled, postponed, or rescheduled. The new policy will only cover refund or will only refund cancellations. For postponed and rescheduled events, the decision to offer refunds fault on the organizers, aka the performers and their teams. So Basically, uh, Ticketmaster is, this blew up on Twitter yesterday. I sounded off on it too. I basically retweeted it, retweeted the article that broke this news and said zero integrity. That's all I wrote because it's true. I mean, I understand companies are struggling right now, but you have those companies where CEOs are taking pay cuts or foregoing their salaries altogether so that their employees and their business can survive. And then you have a giant, giant company like Ticketmaster basically saying, hey, even though we have all these resources and all these finances, we are going to not take responsibility for this and we're going to make it harder. I mean, I understand this may not be their intention. Maybe it is. I don't know. It just seems like they're whether they mean to or not, they're going to be making it harder for one artists, like big artists, but also like smaller artists, theater productions, all of that to support themselves, support their craft. And also for consumers who, you know, it's not their fault that this pandemic is happening and they have tickets for something. Maybe it's tickets to something that they've been waiting to see for a really long time. And now if it's getting rescheduled or it's getting postponed, say they can't make that day, they're out of luck. So basically it's just really shitty. And I think more so the way that Ticketmaster went about it is pretty shitty because they just did it quietly and they have this long policy of fine print and they basically just reworded it slightly and didn't say anything about it. So it, it was really, really shady. The fact that they were like, we're going to cover our asses and hopefully no one's going to notice. But you're a giant in the entertainment industry and you're going to like not even try to own it or be proactively forthcoming about it. I think that's shady. I think it's disgusting. And I would love for some competitors to start cropping up and really take control of this industry because... You know, this is a time where you find out who your real friends are, and that includes the people that are running these companies, because shady, 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 
if you're going to make a change to support your business, then at least be upfront about it and own it and tell people they shouldn't be finding out from like an expose article. It's pretty scummy. Anyway, in a little bit lighter news, the Tiger King reunion episode is up on Netflix. It's a Zoom interview format hosted by Joel McHale, where he talks to some of Joe Exotic's co-workers. It's called The Tiger King and I, and it was so much more tame than the docuseries itself. I'm so sorry for that pun. Um, and it allowed the Zoom employees to sound off on life now that the show has become a phenomenon. And it was pretty... It was a relaxed format. It was a remote Zoom. You know, Jeff Lowe and his wife were there. Saf was there. Um, just a lot of folks. Joe was not there. Carol Baskin was not there. But essentially, it was it was not as exciting as the actual documentary to watch. But it was really funny. I love that Joel McHale was the one to host it because he just said what all of the the viewers were thinking, and he just did not have a filter. Maybe he did. Maybe that was his professionalism. I know he used to host The Soup where he would basically like just rip into people all the time, but he just would deadpan and say stuff that we were all thinking about and just like make fun of everything. And it was really funny. It was really funny. Uh, Some of the questions that he asked, all of them were, who would portray you in a movie? And um, did you like how you were portrayed in the series? Also, did you stay working at the zoo for Joe, your allegiance to Joe or to the animals? All of the people were like, I did it for the animals. I've always been doing it for the animals. There's no other reason to do it. Most of them did not like how they were portrayed in the series. Some of them were accurate in terms of who's going to portray them. Some of them were freaking delusional. They spoke to their level of fame now. Like some of them will walk down the street and people will be like, Tiger King, Tiger King. (sighs) I don't know, you guys. I feel like this is a girl. This coming at a time when we're all quarantined, we're all binge watching something This is something that we're going to look back at in pop culture history, but I'm personally ready for it to be over. Like, I get it. I feel like there's a lot to unearth. Oh, there was another special that's being announced. Apparently, it's going to air on Fox News, and it's being produced by TMZ, and it's like an expose documentary on Tiger King. I don't know. And honestly, that combination, I don't care for. I will not be tuning into that, not only because I don't have cable, but also because I don't care. I don't know. Everyone's like going on and on about this and I'm kind of already over it. I feel like it's already played out. And the only Carol Baskin I'm living for right now is the one that Chloe Fineman did an impression of on SNL, which came back. We're going a little off script. I didn't put this in the what the hype segment, but I'm just excited to talk about it. SNL came back with a fully remote show this past weekend. Tom Hanks hosted Chris Martin from Coldplay was the musical guest and everyone just was doing their own kind of thing in their home. I don't know what the production team did like I don't know what they sent them I don't know how they what shots they scripted or what they did or anything like that but um Chloe Feynman did Carol Baskin she did Timothy Chalamet both impressions were spot on um Kate McKinnon did Ruth Bader Ginsburg 
there was a spoof on Zoom conference calls and how people are just not really thriving in that setting right now. People who are not necessarily that tech savvy or don't know how Zoom works. I was really happy that SNL came back. And for a remote episode, I think they really nailed it, which is to be expected. Um, I'm sorry if you hear some background noise. I'm in my home studio and the landscaper is mowing the lawn of my neighbor's yard. So you might hear a little bit of that. I'm sorry. Um, but back to SNL. Ego Wodum did a like beauty tutorial, which was hysterical. Instead of using any makeup products, she just used Crayola washable crayons on her face. She did her brows and her blush and her lipstick, and it was just very funny. I think it was like an easy win. And I would not be surprised if people actually started using like art supply tools to do genuine tutorials, like not ironically, not as a satire, but just because they are starving for content. So I anticipate that and also will not be watching because I'm not interested. Speaking of makeovers and makeup in this time, though, in this time of quarantine, a new beauty trend is emerging, the boyfriend makeover. Celebs like Miley Cyrus and Sophie Turner are giving their partners glam makeup and documenting it for our social media pleasure. So if you haven't seen Miley Cyrus gave Cody Simpson like a full beauty glam face beat, and then Sophie Turner did a glam on Joe Jonas, which I was like, is that a filter? Did she face tune him or are her skills really at that level? She gave him this like beautiful lavender eye, the lashes, the mascara, the eyeliner. It was on point to the, to the point where I thought it was a filter and she just slapped that on him. But I'm into this. I'm into this trend. I'm into people exercising their creativity. I'm into the fact that Sophie Turner can apparently be a makeup artist. She's nailing it. And I really want to get my grubby little hands on my boyfriend to give him a little makeover, a little glam up. I don't know if he'll let me. Or he might let me, but I don't know if he'll let me document it for the social. We'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm going to keep that as an ace in my back pocket for entertainment later in the quarantine. I don't want to peek too soon. I don't want to just front load all the activities. We already watched Tiger King. We're already like, we've done a lot of activities. I started out very much running in this quarantine. And by running, I mean running around the house. I was doing yoga. I was baking. I was cooking. I was doing this. I was doing that. And the past few days, I'm just like, what for? I'm tired. I want to lay on the couch. I don't want to do anything. So we'll see if I've hit a wall or if I just need to recharge. I'm saving a few activities and hobbies for later in, later on in the quarantine so that I don't peak too soon. So we'll see. If you are looking for something to do during this quarantine, I can offer the fashion and fashion enthusiasts and creatives some thing to do for the next four days. Starting today, Anna Wintour announced Vogue Global Conversations, a four-day event starting today, like I said, and featuring some of the biggest insiders in fashion. These Zoom meetings will talk about the future of creativity, the future of runway shows, the future of e-commerce, and the future of brick-and-mortar retail. They are led by Vogue editors from around the globe, and they are free to attend. So you just register, sign up, 
show up. And it's this really dynamic conversation about, you know, the future of fashion as an industry, as a creative venture. Um, the thing about it is that it is all of the Zooms are 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time because they are global, right? So London's tuning in, Asia's tuning in. So they're 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which means that if you are in on the West Coast, if you're in Hawaii, that's kind of the middle of the night or the very early morning. Am I going to get up at 6 a.m. to tune into these Vogue conversations? You bet your ass I will. I will not get up at 6 a.m. for anyone. But if I can open, get one eye partially open, roll over and log into Zoom on my phone to be a part of this conversation, I will. I am absolutely not. I'm muting myself and I am hiding my camera so that no one can see my face. But I am definitely going to tune in. So I... I'm going to post the link for that. Now, here's the thing. I know I've been in past episodes talking about, I'll post the link for this. I'll post the link for that on my website. And I've been so, so bad. I've been slacking at it so hard and I'm so, so, so sorry. I think the past like two or three episodes don't have posts attributed to them. I'm going to do my best to kind of backdate those and get those published. But in the meantime, I'm going to say any links that I reference, I'm going to in real time, just plop them onto my Twitter. In fact, I'm going to plop the Vogue Global Conversations link into my Twitter right now. And just so you can reference it. And then hopefully I'll get to putting all of this stuff on my website later today or tomorrow, but head to my Twitter for all of the latest things that you hear referenced in this episode. My Twitter handle is M U a Chronicle. That is M U a C H R O N I C L E. Follow me there and then also just, you know, click the links, see what I'm talking about, see what all the hype is about. And speaking of what the hype, that has been what the hype. Thank you for tuning in. Let's move on to the next segment. Last week, I talked about ingesting beauty. So the kind of foods or supplements that can help with your skincare. I mentioned vitamin C as an antioxidant, and so many of you had follow-up questions. So this week, I want to dive a little deeper into antioxidants. So just a little science background, I won't get too micro, but when our bodies are exposed to stress, UV rays, and pollution, it affects us at a cellular level. So our cells in our body are literally being stressed out. Our atoms undergo oxidation where electrons are moved around and our atoms become unstable. So this is different than oxidizing, which is where you apply maybe a foundation or a concealer and it changes color when it's introduced to oxygen in the atmosphere. That's a different process. That's just affecting the product. Um, But oxidation, the effects of that on our skin can be in the form of wrinkles, dark spots, the loss of elasticity, and other things that have kind of gotten lumped into the category of aging skin, quote unquote. That's why antioxidants are marketed as anti-aging products, but essentially they help to keep your skin cells stable at an atomic level so that you see less damage from stress, from the environment. So one such antioxidant, like I said, is vitamin C. I talked about that last week, but this week I want to get into a few more really powerful, incredible antioxidants that you might want to start thinking about adding to your routine to really help protect your skin. 
I'm going to ease you in with a very gentle antioxidant to start. This antioxidant is actually so gentle and yet so effective that you might already be using it and not even know it. Vitamin E is already in so many body creams, face creams, so many products, whether they're luxe department store products or things that you get at the drugstore. And vitamin E oil is actually one of the most recommended things for people to use if they have scars or stretch marks, things that they want to improve the appearance of, that's going to be vitamin E. Now, the reason for that is because vitamin E accelerates the skin healing process. So say you have some sort of damage that happens to the skin surface, maybe it's a few layers in and your body forms a scar, there's scar tissue And whether it's acne, whether it's a wound, whether it is your body changing due to stretch marks, the natural process that kicks in to repair the skin, that is what vitamin E helps to kind of move along, right? And so if you need a little bit of an extra punch, a little bit extra help in that arena, vitamin E is going to help you. Ultimately, it's just a really gentle antioxidant, moisturizes your skin, it improves the skin's appearance, the appearance of texture, it also improves the skin's softness. So that's why you're going to find it in a lot of body creams, a lot of face creams. It is one of the strongest um, gentle moisturizers, if that makes sense. It's very gentle, it's very benign, anyone can use it. It's great for all skin types, even if you're super, super sensitive. Um, So it's a very gentle antioxidant, but it's very impactful, right? The other thing I want to note is just like I talked about vitamin C last week, you will find vitamin E mixed in with vitamin C very often. And the reason for that, and I know I'm about to throw a lot of letters at you, so please, I hope you can follow along. I can barely follow along, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll get through this together. That's what it will do. All right. So anyway, so you have your vitamin C, you have your vitamin E. They're oftentimes mixed in together. And the reason for that is because E facilitates the absorption and the processing of C. So ultimately all of the effects that you get from your vitamin C are amplified and your product is made more productive and more effective if you have the vitamin E in there, right? Okay, so oftentimes you'll see like vitamin C, vitamin E together, you'll see ferulic acid in there. That's the triple whammy. That's how you want the delivery of that to be for your skin to get optimal effects. So if you are looking for a serum that is rich with antioxidants, look for one that has vitamin C, vitamin E, and ferulic acid all wrapped into one, and you will get an ultimate, ultimate thrill for your skin. Use it in the daytime, but be sure to add sunscreen on top just because your skin, uh, well, I feel like you should, I'm always harping on this. I feel like you should always be wearing SPF, even if right now you're in quarantine, if you go outside for a walk, if you sit by a window, if you just like stick your face on a window to try and get any rays of sun whatsoever, please use a sunscreen. You're still exposed to the UV rays. So vitamin C is essentially rendered inert if it's exposed to sun. So wear your SPF not only to protect your skin, but to also protect the effects of the C, the E, and the ferulic acid. Okay, make sense? 
maybe that wasn't as many letters as I thought when I was writing kind of my notes for the show. I was like, vitamin C, vitamin E, jumping between the two. And I was like, I'm just going to be saying this C and E a lot and people are going to be confused. But I guess I'm the only one that confused myself. Anyway, moving right along. (laughs) Another very potent and effective antioxidant is vitamin A. Now, that may sound really familiar to a lot of you, especially repeat listeners. Vitamin A is essentially where we get our retinol from. Retinol, retinoids, it's all derived from vitamin A, which if you want a deep dive into the kind of retinoid family, jump back to episodes. It's episode 13, I believe. And I did a deep dive into retinols, um, all of the different types, how they act on the skin, how to get them, where to buy them, what they do, how to use them, all of that. So essentially vitamin A dives deep into the skin. It stimulates collagen production. It accelerates cell turnover, cell repair, and it really helps to even out skin tone and skin texture. So for a lot of people that are fighting with um, acne scarring, fine lines, wrinkling, their skin changing in that way, vitamin A derivatives are essentially the first thing that's recommended. You can get your retinol over the counter or you can get a prescription. The prescription will essentially just give you a stronger product. And like I said, you can use this for acne, for acne scarring, or you can use it for the appearance of, you know, any fine lines, any wrinkles that you have. My, I haven't been able to get my Botox done. So I have been really relying on my retinol. And just a PSA in this time, that we are maybe relying on over-the-counter things or things that are topical like that, please don't go overboard on your retinols. It will literally burn your skin off and it will not be pleasing in the slightest. So let's get back to it. Uh, Retinol, you can get it over-the-counter, you can get a prescription. I personally don't think it's about the price point. You can find a retinol that's within your budget that works for you. Personally, I'm using a retinol from Neutrogena right now. I got it at Target. I was like, let me just throw this in my cart real quick while I'm getting eggs and milk and my usual, you know, essentials. And the one that I'm using, I would say is a really great starter retinol for those that aren't sure where to start. Maybe you have skin that's a little more sensitive. Um, and it's under $20, I believe. I will also link it on my Twitter just so you see what I'm working with and you can maybe grab it on your next drugstore run or Target run. But yeah, price point I don't think is as important. I think patience and persistence are way more important, meaning the longer that you use it and the more regularly that you use it, the more likely you are to see effects. And so if you aren't sure if you're just starting a retinol, if you're not sure about how you use it, if you already have like a lot of acids in your routine, I would say one, do it at night. Definitely do it at night. Do a moisturizer over it for sure. And definitely wear sunscreen if you have even like the slightest ray of light coming through a window because retinol is going to sensitize your skin to that even more and allow you to get sun damage even more. Unfortunately, that's the double-edged sword. So start off slow, do it at night, try it maybe twice a week to start and then build it up based on your skin's tolerance. So for me, I introduced it into my routine. I was doing it every other night 
and now I'm up to every night. And I've been doing it for a few weeks now. I am definitely someone that I love a, a instant gratification situation. So for a retinol, especially if you're doing like an over-the-counter, for an over-the-counter, it can sometimes take two to three months to see effects, right? So I'm using it and I'm hoping that I'll see the downstream effects, but I'm not really seeing that much yet. So, well, I'll keep you posted on that, but ultimately, yeah, patience, perseverance, you're not going to get instant gratification from your vitamin A, but it is a really, really potent and incredible antioxidant to add to your routine if you're struggling with texture, tone that's uneven, right? So wrinkles, acne scars, dark spots, things like that. Next up, so the next two antioxidants I'm going to talk about are not only, just to like follow along in the theme of last week's episode, they're not only topical, but you can also ingest them. You can um, have certain products that you can eat or drink that have these antioxidants to get the full effects, not only the effects for your skin on the outside. So the first one I want to talk about is Reservatrol. Now, This one is probably my favorite to talk about just because it's most commonly found in red wine, or at least that's how it's kind of marketed to us. It's that red wine has Reservatrol, this incredible antioxidant. It's really healthy for your heart, for your body. So having one glass of red wine a night is, you know, very healthy for you. Essentially, Reservatrol is found in plants like grapes, and it withstands the process of fermentation, which is why it then translates into wine. But essentially, these plants, these crops that are rich in Reservatrol, it's an antioxidant for them. So it protects them from damage that can be caused by pollution, UV rays, infection, climate change. Um, It's essentially kind of an antimicrobial substance. So a lot of these crops, like these vineyards, can self-protect against a variety of issues with the Reservatrol that's naturally produced. Essentially, people who have acne who have rosacea, who have eczema, this is going to be really great for your skin because it is antimicrobial and it's very gentle and it'll kind of help with any kind of inflammation and with any damage based on the environment. So if you live in an urban city, this is also going to be really, really great for you. Um, I lived in New York. I lived in LA. I live in Northern California now where I don't think I'm north of the city of San Francisco. So I don't know that we get that much pollution up here, but regardless, I am definitely drinking my red wine and applying these products. Um, my favorite brand is Caudalie. If you're familiar with it, it's a French brand. They have their own organic vineyards, their own organic grapevines that they source from. And so all of their products, their entire product range is packed, 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 packed with these antioxidants um, from the grapes, this Reservatrol. So essentially you can get, if you're someone that's into clean beauty, if you're into organic products, if you're into vegan products, check out Caudalie. I will link them on my Twitter as well, but I love them. I find their products to be one of the most incredible. And when people come to me and say, I'm having this issue, my skin's flaring up. I'm having a reaction to this product I tried. I'm always like, 
go do Caudalie, get a sample if you can. They have various price points. So there are things that everyone can afford from them. They have a luxe line if you're into a little more luxury, a little more prestige, but they also have things that are a little more affordable so that everyone can buy them. Um, so yeah, I will link them on my Twitter as well. Again, my handle for that is MUA Chronicle, M-U-A-C-H-R-O-N-I-C-L-E. But next up, let's head to another antioxidant that you can also ingest. You can also put on your face and it's also really, really great for inflammation and improving the skin's appearance and reversing damage. It also is way more gentle than Reservatrol. Reservatrol is gentle in its own right, but if you have uber, uber sensitive skin, if you flare up easily, this one may be a little bit better for you. This is polyphenols. So essentially polyphenols are the active antioxidant that you find in green tea. Now, this has been one topic that both Eastern medicine and Western medicine has agreed on. Green tea extract is a huge, huge, huge antioxidant, and the polyphenols improve skin immunity against stressors. Drinking green tea also helps with boosting your body's immune response, which I think we all would love help with at this time. Um... So skin, let's, let's talk about it as a topical though. So for skin, it improves the appearance of skin that's damaged from UV rays, from environmental exposure, pollution. It also helps with inflammation. So again, if you're someone with sensitive skin, if you have eczema, if you have rosacea, if you have acne breakouts, this is going to be a really, really great antioxidant for you. And the great thing is that you can get products that have the green tea extract in there, they're probably going to be a little more stable because they have stabilizing ingredients, um, in the way that they're produced. But I also just love like a little matcha powder. I mix it in with some of my masks that are pre-made or, uh, green tea bags. I have, I love green tea as like a daytime pick me up. Cause then I don't crash from it the way that I would coffee. And what I do is I keep those tea bags, I put them in my fridge, and then in the morning if I need a little boost, if I have swelling, discoloration around my eyes from just lack of sleep, or maybe I'm hungover, maybe I ate a whole pizza yesterday, (sighs) it's too soon, I don't want to talk about that yet, then I will take those green tea bags, I'll just plop them over my eyes, and then any kind of swelling, pain, discoloration, puffiness really goes down. So... Green tea is an incredible antioxidant. You can use your green tea that you ingest and just add it into your existing products or use it as a face mask, or you can get a product that already has green tea in it. So, you know, a lot of those J Beauty products from Japan, they have a lot of green tea extract in them because as a culture, they drink a lot of green tea and they also have been using it in their skincare for a very long time. So I can also link to a few of those products that I love. I can do that on Twitter. I really need to get around to giving you guys my, um, like updating the website, my website with all of the up-to-date like links and product links and tidbits. I will get to it. I promise, promise, promise. And as soon as I do, I'll tweet about it. How about that? Bringing it full circle. So those are my favorite antioxidants. There are so many others. There's 
uh, vitamin B3. There is, uh, there's so many more coffee. Naturally coffee is a great antioxidant. Green coffee extract is a great antioxidant. So there are a lot of different ones, but those are probably my top, top, top favorites are the ones I just talked about. So you have your vitamin C, your vitamin E, your vitamin A. If you missed vitamin C, go back to the last episode where I talked about it. Um, your C, your E, your A, your, um, resveratrol and your polyphenols that you get from your green tea. Those are my heavy hitters, my top favorites. And the ones that I think are really great for all skin types that there is enough research behind them. There is enough of a product range that includes those ingredients, whether it's, you know, over the counter or drugstore. And so what I would say is probably don't introduce them into your routine all at once. You definitely want to kind of taper so that if you react to something, you are able to then diagnose and say like, oh, hey, that I added this one new thing. I'm having a reaction. Obviously, I need to figure out what's going on. If it's something like a retinol or an acid, then you might need to scale back how much you're you're using, how often you're using it, or just switch to an acid that's a little more gentle or has soothing ingredients in the formulation. You might also need to maybe, if you're doing a retinol, I've noticed for me, it's been drying my skin out a little more. So I've had to reintroduce a face oil into my morning routine to kind of um, give me that glow that I need, especially since I'm going back to doing my makeup content fairly regularly on Instagram. So I need, you know, things that are going to be gentle on my skin and things that are going to uber, uber hydrate and moisturize my skin because the constant application and removal of makeup is definitely wreaking havoc. For those of you that have been at home at this quarantine and haven't put on any makeup, please sound off. Tweet me, DM me, email me, whatever. I'm, I'm literally everywhere you guys, but hit me up. I want to know if you, have you not been wearing any makeup during this time and has that changed your skin? Because I have a feeling that it may, I mean, I, I feel like it probably did. And for the better, but also, do you feel naked? Do you feel like, do you get glammed up to go on your zoom calls? Do you get glammed up on FaceTime? Have you started your own social media? Are you a creator that has started kind of doing content and do you want a little bit more awareness around what you're doing? Let me know. I can't connect enough with people. I'm so excited. Um, I'm also figuring out how to get interviews going. I feel like now's the time everyone's schedules are a little bit more open and there's less of a logistics issue with like, where are you? Let's get you into this studio. Let's get this equipment going. And I feel like now let's just hop on a zoom or FaceTime or whatever. Let's record it, get the quality good and let's get these interviews up. So I am reaching out to some people to interview them and get you guys, the latest in beauty, pop culture, and fashion from people that are embedded deeply in the industry and are experts in their fields. I'm excited to bring that to you. It's coming shortly. I promise. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Let me know what kind of topics you want, what kind of people you want, like what are you guys interested in? Because I want to give you that. Um, and if no one signs, uh, sounds off, then I'm just going to keep going on and on and on about things that I love. 
because it's my podcast. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I also feel like lately I've been ending these podcast episodes on just personal updates and that's where I'm going to end it today. Now, this one is a little bit bittersweet and that's just me being dramatic because it's only about my hair. It's nothing too serious, but it kind of is. So a few days, weeks, I don't know. I don't even know if time exists anymore, but a little while ago when we first kind of entered into quarantine, I told people, I'm like, Hey, listen, went on my Insta stories and said, here's a PSA. Do not give yourself bangs right now. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you do not need bangs. I know you're bored. Maybe take up crocheting or something. I feel like that's the one thing that like, oh, we have a breakup. Something changes. We're in quarantine. Like there are events in our lives when we're like, well, what can I do? What can I do to feel like in control, powerful, and yet change my identity? And we always change our hair, right? And bangs are one of the easiest things that people do. Like, oh, I broke up with him. I'm going to get bangs. Anyway, so I was like, please don't get bangs. Next thing I know, I am sitting in my bathroom, getting ready for bed, and I am on Amazon and perusing. I've had quite a bit of Pinot Noir at this point, so I'm just scrolling through, and I'm like, you know what? I've been wanting to go blonde for months. I've been wanting to do it. I've been blonde before, but I wanted like a more natural, like balayage situation. And I hesitated there because I can never pronounce that fucking word, uh, a balayage. And I was like, I've, I've always wanted it. I have been blonde before I've been blonde, like platinum from the roots down. And I'm like, that's too much maintenance. I'm not willing to make the kind of investment or commitment to have my roots done every single month and to just be like this platinum blonde. I have some friends that have done it that look incredible. Good for you guys. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm not into it. So I was like, I want to be able to keep my roots and then just be blonde and do like either a balayage or an ombre or I don't know, something, right? So I talked to so many different hairstylists and I'm like, I want to do this. Like, is it even possible? And to be completely honest, I have been so many different hair colors because I go through these cycles of, I want to be blonde. I love it. I can't wait to be blonde. I dye my hair blonde. I realize what I've gotten into in terms of upkeep and investment. And I'm like, I can't deal with doing my roots so often. Also, my hair is falling out because I'm bleaching it at home because I can't be bothered to go into the salon and drop all this money to get my roots done. So I'm like, okay, well, screw it. I'm not going to be blonde anymore. And then inevitably I go red, right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a redhead now. And then I become a redhead. And red is one of the hardest colors to keep up. It just loses its shine. It loses its luster. It becomes like a weird mousy brown really quickly. So then I'm like, okay, well, like I invest in all this stuff like glosses and red shampoo and red conditioner and blah, 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 to keep my red looking very pristine. And then I'm like, this is also too high maintenance for me. I can't be freaking bothered to even deal with this. So then I'm like, I'm going to go back to my natural hair color. Now my natural hair color is, I mean, who even really knows anymore? It's like, uh, 
a light brown, but it definitely has copper running through it. When I was born, I had flaming orange hair, my mom says, and it's kind of gotten more brown as I've gotten older, but it still has that copper running through it. So it doesn't matter. Whatever hair color I dye my hair, even if I go like as ashy as possible, that red will still come through. It's super stubborn. So I go blonde, I go red, and then I go brown, but I always overshoot the brown because I'm like, it'll wash out, it'll fade, and there's bleach under there, and there's this under there, and blah, 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 blah. And so I always go like, like Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, black, and then it washes out, it fades out. I do like a semi-permanent, it like fades out. And then I get something that's very close to my natural hair color so that I can start growing my roots out. And then inevitably I get very restless and I'm like, okay, I need to dye my hair again. What am I going to do? I'm going to go blonde. Now, all of this, I have been cycling through this ever since I was 18 because I was never allowed to dye my hair. My mom wouldn't let me dye my hair because she said, you have such beautiful virgin hair. You're going to start dyeing it. You're going to get trapped into like this cycle of like dyeing, re-dyeing, bleaching, unbleaching, like all of these things. And then your virgin hair will be no more. And you'll be stuck in this cycle of perpetuity that is just very, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's annoying to say the least. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, mom. I'm going to dye my hair. And I, the very first time I dyed it, I was 18 years old. She helped me and I dyed it this like bright copper penny red, like flaming red. And uh, needless to say, it wasn't my best look. But, you know, we can't all nail it the first time. And I, since then, I'm 31 now, I've gotten trapped in a, in a perpetuating cycle of just going blonde, going red, going dark, having that wash out, and then me being bored of my natural or whatever has come to be my natural hair color, having my roots grow out and being like, you know what, I really should just go blonde again. I want to go blonde again. And at that point, re-bleaching all of those layers of other color that is probably coming from a box from the drugstore is not a good look. So... Uh, two years ago, I think it was, I went to a professional. I had her put highlights in. She put the highlights in. They looked really cute. It was just a little bit lighter than my natural color. And they immediately went brassy because that's just the red in my hair. And then instead of like toning them or getting a gloss or going back to her for a treatment, I was like, screw it. I'm going to buy box bleach and just go all blonde, right? So I went all blonde. And immediately it obviously went brassy and it looked horrible. It was like the color of, it wasn't even the color of straw. The color of straw can be pretty. This was like yellowy. It it was like the color of corn, like, uh, like unhusked corn. And it was disgusting. And my hair was dry and it was brittle and I wasn't styling it and I wasn't taking care of it. And it was just a hot mess. So then I was like, screw this. I'm done with this. I'm going to dye my hair red because I I love leaning into like the copper in my hair and I love like being a redhead and immediately I go to that place and I am delusional enough to not remember that the time prior I was like oh it's so much upkeep being a redhead so then I inevitably dye my hair red and sometimes I nail the the color red sometimes I don't one time I did like a 
like a like a dark cherry almost like a mahogany it was a purpley red not a good look for me no 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 but I thought I was like all right if I go more ashy then maybe I won't be like flaming redhead I'll be like a like a subtle redhead and my hair ended up being like this weird purple tone and it was like different shades because of where the dye was versus the virgin hair anyway so I was blonde two years ago. I had highlights put in, bleached my whole head, and then I was like, screw it. I'm going back to red. It's just easier than the blonde. So I dyed my hair red. I was red for a hot minute. The red started to wash out and fade and turn into like a weird, mousy, brown, brassy, whatever. Then we come to the point where, oh, I didn't go brown yet. Then I was like, I miss my blonde. I'm going to go back to blonde. So I went back to blonde. And that was a bad look because if it was corn before, it was like a like a yield sign. It was just like an aggressive, ugly, warning, yellow color. It was not cute. So I walked around with that for a little while thinking it was a look, thinking I could somehow use purple conditioner to get it to not be that bright yellow. It was like a marigold yellow. It was not a good look. And I was like, all right, fine, screw it. Finally, I'm just going to dye my hair black and then it'll fade out a little bit and it'll get a little lighter in the sun and it'll be close to my natural hair color. So I dyed my hair black. Then... (laughs) I was like, it's too dark. I don't like it. And it took a while for it to wash out, but it finally washed out. And then I was like, I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to grow out my hair. I'm going to use all the treatments I can to just get it healthy up to this point. I'm going to get it healthy. I'm going to have it grow out. And then when it grows out to a point where it's mostly virgin hair and I've trimmed away and cut away all of like the dyed, gross, damaged hair, then I'll go in and on my fresh, virgin, beautiful hair, I'll have a very natural balayage situation. No one's touching the roots. And then I will maintain that by going into the salon every few months to get it touched up. I was like, that is a kind of commitment that I think I can make. So I've been growing my hair out. It's been... When was the last time I dyed it? I think the last time I dyed it was like January or February of last year. So 2019 was the last time that I dyed it and I dyed it black and left it alone. Right. So it's been about a year now. I was not making enough progress growing out my hair as I wanted. I was like, I had maybe grown out six inches of virgin hair. And I was like, this is going to take forever. I've already patiently waited a year for this balayage. So naturally one night I went on Amazon recently in the quarantine. I was a bit intoxicated. Like I said, I was drinking a beautiful vintage Pinot Noir and I got on the Amazon on the bath, in the bathroom, sitting down in the bathroom, getting ready for bedtime. I like practically fell off because I was a little bit like too much in the Pinot Noir TMI. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I ordered a boxed Garnier balayage kit and I immediately ordered a manic panic anti-brass hair mask. And I was like, I'm going to nail it. I'm going to rock it out so hard. 
And I woke up the next morning and I was like, that was a terrible decision. It'll come in the mail. I'll never use it. I need to be strong. I need to have willpower, right? Then I'm waiting for it to come in the mail and I'm like, well, oh, also here's the other stipulation. I didn't read reviews. I didn't look at the product. I did. I literally was just like, what is going to be shipped to me the soonest? Great. It's this kit from Garnier. Click. Got it. So I'm waiting for it to come. The shipping was about like, they said I would get it within a week and I'm trying to make peace with whether or not I'm going to use it. And so I'm like trying to recruit my boyfriend. I'm like, Hey, will you do this for me? Like, can you just make sure it's there? Even he's like, I am not touching it. Mind you, I had already tried to recruit him to give me a haircut at the start of this quarantine and give me like this really cute kind of lob long Bob. And he was like, no, I'm not going anywhere near you. So, so then I was like, I got a balayage kit. Will you do it for me? And he was like, absolutely not. Please stop. Please stop asking me to do these things that you shouldn't even be doing yourself that are bad choices. I'm telling you right now, be strong. Don't do this. And I was like, whatever. You're like not a part of, but truly he has been and will continue to be correct, especially on this subject. So Needless to say, I'm like, you know what, whatever, if it doesn't work out, I'll just shave my head. I've done it before. And that's true. So let's rewind back a few years when I was still living in New York. I had gone through so many cycles of just like blonde hair, black hair, red hair, all different kinds of terrible, cheap, boxed dyes on my head. And my hair was so brittle, so damaged. It was literally falling out. And I was like, screw this. I am not dealing with it. So I went, I left the office. I was working for a healthcare startup. I left the office. I was in the Tribeca neighborhood of, no, I wasn't. I was in Flatiron. I was in the Flatiron district of New York. And there's this really incredible barbershop that's there. Um, it's on, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to remember. I think it's on like 21st street and Broadway. Um, I'll get the name of it and I'll tweet it out, but I went in and there were just these really chic, gorgeous male barbers and like button down shirts and like cufflinks. And I was like, hi, I want a haircut. And they were like, we don't cut women's hair. We're a barbershop, obviously like go away. And I was like, no, no, no. I want someone to like shave my head. And they all, all three of them like looked at each other and they were like, what? And one of them was like, I'll do it. So he had had experience before he worked at a barbershop in Chelsea. And he's like, there was a moment where every girl wanted to do like an undercut or a side cut or whatever. So he had experienced shaving women. And so he sat, sat me down and the proprietor looks at me and is like, do you want a drink? And I was like, I would love one. He goes, okay, we have espresso and we have bourbon. That's it. Like no water, no LaCroix, nothing like that. He's like, we have espresso and we have bourbon. I was like, well, I will take the bourbon because I'm about to have my head shaved. Mind you, my hair was very long. So I sit down in the chair and I'm like, give me an undercut, make it short. Just keep a little bit on top. Right. And so he gives me a one and a half. Now I don't know what that means. I feel like People who are familiar with um, buzzers or people who get their hair buzzed will understand what that means. I don't know if it's like millimeters, centimeters, but I got a one and a half all across, like on the sides, in the back, 
and we just kept like a tiny little, like a little cockatoo macaw bird feather on top of my head. And that is literally how I left that barbershop. Two bourbons deep with a shaved head with like a little macaw situation, like a, like a little mohawk, but it didn't go all the way back. So that's how I left that situation. And I am the queen of impulsive decisions because I did this in like October or November in New York city. So it was about to like be straight up winter. It was about to blizzard and I shaved my head and immediately I was cold, but I got a lot of cute beanies out of it. So whatever. Um, anyway, <laughs> lemonade out of lemons people. So fast forward back. Oh, also side note, I loved having my head shaved. It was the most convenient and comfortable option ever. I also have a really incredibly shaved shaped head. I have an incredible shaped head. So, um, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. My mother was appalled, but I thought it was très chic. Fast forward. I'm telling my boyfriend, Hey, if it doesn't work out with the balayage, I'll just shave my head. No big deal. And he is looking at me with the same horror that a lot of my friends and dear close ones looked at me when I first shaved my head without telling anyone. So I'm like, okay, maybe I won't do that. He's like, don't, please don't do that. I got the balayage kit last week. It came in the mail and I opened it and I looked at it and I was home alone. So I, I, you know what? I'm going to blame my boyfriend for not being there to talk to me and tell me like, no, don't do this. No, I'm not going to blame him, but he probably would have talked me out of it and it would have been a good decision or maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, I got it in the mail. I looked at it for like a good 30 seconds. And I was like, we're doing this. We're doing this right now. So I literally just did it and I did it wrong, which is, I feel like to be expected, but I, in my idealism, I was like, I'm going to nail this. It's going to look so sick. And I did it wrong. I got like a patch of blonde, like a, like a little, like a little cheetah, cheetah spot on the inside, on the bottom. So it's not too obvious, but it's there. And then I got like one weird patch strip in the very, very, very front, which is very obvious. And I kept looking in the mirror, checking my hair every 15 minutes and being like, okay, it doesn't look that like bleached yet. It doesn't look that like whatever. But this one piece that was in front of my head was tucked behind my ear. So I didn't see it. What a ding dong. So I'm looking at the the bottom of my hair, my ends, and I'm like, oh, it doesn't look that light yet. Now that is where all of that bleach and hair dye from years past lives. So obviously that's going to take more time to lift. The patch that's in the front of my head is virgin hair. So I'm not noticing how bleached out it's getting. And then it's like 45 minutes in, I go to the mirror and I'm like, what is this piece? Has this been tucked behind my ear the whole time? So I untuck it and I'm like the end, which has already been heavily processed years prior is not as light as this one little patch of virgin hair. And so I have this like brassy, bright yellow <laughs> stripe in the front of my hair. And I, I joked and I was like, I am one tiger stripe away from eating Carol Baskin's husband. Like this is the look. 
So I immediately hopped on the interwebs. I ordered two ki- two boxed kits of bleach, like all over head bleach, also from Garnier because I was like, let's keep it brand specific. And I got like the Uber Platinum and I was like, I'm going to get this. It's all over bleach, but I'm not going to go all over. I'm going to just be a little more strategic in how I do it, how I place it. And maybe the extra process will help it all kind of blend together. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't look worse. It looks slightly better, but it doesn't look worse. And then I immediately got on my phone with my hairdresser friend and I was like, I'm so sorry. You're probably going to have to fix this when we're out of quarantine. And honestly, like I need your advice. I need your help. I need you to help me figure out what I'm going to do. So she immediately was like, what did you use? What did you do? How does it look? What do you need it to look like? And she recommended some products for me to use to kind of just blend the color a little better with the areas of my hair that I didn't dye so that it looks a little more natural. And honestly, bless her. I am so happy that I could reach out to her and she could be like, get this immediately, get this gloss, get this conditioner, da 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 da. Hopefully it'll look a little better. It's not too bad. It's definitely something that I think I can pull off. I can kind of get away with it as it is. But as soon as we can kind of see each other again and go out into the world, I am definitely, I already told her, I'm like, put Jenny, put me on a wait list because I need to get in to see you. I need you to kind of fix what I did and make it look cute. And she's going to have a very tough job ahead of her, but if anyone can do it, it's her. So I'm fingers crossed. I'm very hopeful. I would also love to get her on this podcast. So we'll see if that happens because she's a doll. She owns her own salon here in Northern California and she just really knows her shit. So anyway, I think needless to say, the PSA still stands. If you're going to mess with your hair, please make sure it's something that's reversible or something that's not going to last a long time because it's, it may be a decision that you really regret and now you have to deal with. The other thing about that is like, also we're in quarantine, like who really cares? The thing about me is I don't really care how other people view me, but I hate looking at myself in the mirror when it's something that looks off. So I do it more for myself than anyone else. And so I'm like, okay, I need to fix this for myself. But if you're someone that like, you don't care, you're not going to judge yourself harshly every day, looking at yourself in the mirror and think like, wow, I really regret this decision. Then go for it. Now's the time to experiment because we're all in quarantine. No one's going to go out and see you anyway. But if you're someone that really judges yourself harshly for decisions that you make and can't look at yourself in the mirror after you've made maybe a tough call, um, now's not the time. Please do not give yourself bangs. Please do not, you know, dye your hair. If you dye it, please make sure it's like semi, not even semi-permanent, like temporary color. And um, maybe also look into other ways to keep your hands busy. Maybe a hobby, uh, some some cross-stitching maybe, maybe some uh, some clay pottery. I, I don't know. I don't know. Ma- learn how to make birdhouses. I don't know. I don't know what your jam is. But you know what I'd like to know? Ooh, look at that left turn. That was actually a smooth segue. I don't know. What are you guys doing during this time in quarantine to stay busy? Keep yourselves sane. Keep yourselves entertained. And um, 
are you liking it? Because I am looking for ideas for sure. So DM me or tweet me with what are you doing during this quarantine? And like, what level of involvement is it really? Because I can only take on so much. I'm a balayage expert over here. I have things to do. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, MUA Chronicle, M-U-A-C-H-R-O-N-I-C-L-E on all the socials. Hit me up there. And thank you as always for listening. I hope you're staying safe. I will talk to you next time. Bye.